Welcome to Changeable. This is episode number 194, How Can My Weight Problem Be Thought When It's a Physical Reality? A question from a listener. You're tuned in to Changeable with Dr. Amy Johnson. Changeable podcast is all about breaking habits, ending anxiety, and the ironic way change really works. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey there, welcome back to Changeable. So today's episode is another one of these amazing questions that I got um, from a listener that I want to speak to. I've done a couple episodes like this in the last few months, and um, I just think they're so helpful. I'm so grateful for the questions, these really juicy, detailed questions. And um, often I I speak to them on Ask Amy, but Again, some of these, the ones I've done the episodes around before, this one from from Betsy today, um, there's just so much to it. There's so much I want to say, and there's so much that's incredibly universal in what's going on here, you know, in what's behind the question, in what perhaps the person isn't quite seeing, but in most cases is so close to seeing. But, you know, we just have these near universal little blind spots or things that we innocently misunderstand. And so when I see one like that, I get excited and I want to speak to it. I know uh, going into more depth around this is probably going to help a lot of people. And I really hope it helps you too, Betsy. And I, and I really appreciate you sending your question and being open to me speaking to it in this way, even though there's no identifying information in here, you know, it's, uh, it's, it may be kind of vulnerable. So thank you. So I'm going to read Betsy's question, the whole thing through, and then I will, uh, I will speak to parts of it. So Betsy says, some time ago, you kindly answered my email where I spoke of my struggles with binge eating. I'm trying to immerse myself in this new way of thinking. I have a degree in psychology and worked in clinical research. Intellectually, this is an exciting new paradigm shift, and I'm enjoying exploring the ideas. Yet my binge restrict exercise cycle is at its worst and I'm withdrawing from the world around. Why? I've gained a large amount of weight, my skin is terrible, and I feel a bit like Eeyore in my outlook. The problem doesn't appear to be thought. It's what I can physically see in the mirror and how uncomfortable I feel in my skin. I'm embarrassed and ashamed by myself. Every so often, I sense that quiet space like you described the moment just before falling asleep. It's like a gap, a comforting, quiet place where my mind can't reach. Then it eludes me. The narrative kicks in and my mind is off again. So this is, uh, I think, what Betsy's narrator is saying. How can I lose the weight? Once I've lost the weight, I can rejoin life again. I need to lose it fast so I don't ruin everything. Rules, strategies, plans. My issues with food, she says, started when I was 16. I'm in my 40s now. Was it my mind's way of trying to protect me? My dad took his life a few weeks after my 16th birthday. Out of the blue, gone. The thoughts I get stuck around are, I've got a rotten core and that I take up too much space. These are my beliefs, not thoughts so much. My question is, how can the problem just be a thought when physical reality feedbacks a clear reflection? Okay, so... So much in here, so much in here, Betsy. And I so feel for you and, and well, I'll get to that. Okay, so I'm gonna start, I'm gonna start with one of the first things you said that I wanna speak to a little bit. 
She says, I've gained a large amount of weight. My skin is terrible and I feel a bit like Eeyore in my outlook. The problem doesn't appear to be thought. It's what I can physically see in the mirror and how uncomfortable I feel in my skin. Now, it's not to argue with anything. (laughs) Nothing I say is about like, well, here's how it really works or, you know, using one term or one phrase over another. I don't care about any of that stuff. All, All we care about is, is you, Betsy, and everyone listening, getting some sort of feel for this, you know, just just getting a feel for it. So the thing is, like when you say um, it doesn't appear to be thought, it's what I can physically see in the mirror and how uncomfortable I feel in, the, in my skin, that is thought. So we don't see anything in the mirror. We don't see the mirror. We don't see the reflection in the mirror without thought. We see it all through thought. And that means that we aren't really seeing anything. We're seeing we're, the reflection is, I mean, there's a reflection of a physical body, yes. But you are seeing that reflection of that physical body through thought. It, it literally can't be any other way. And I would see your body through thought over here and someone else would see it through thought over there. And in that way, you'd have seven and a half billion people seeing a different Betsy. Now, if you weigh 200 pounds, we might all say, yeah, I estimate her at 200 pounds. Fine, right? We can agree on things like that. No big deal. That makes sense. But we aren't seeing the same thing and we certainly aren't having the same experience. So that's what I want you to see. Now, again, I I don't, I'm not at all talking you out of just, See if you can just keep it right there. So I'm not trying to talk you out of how it looks to you. I know when I was struggling with with these habits, um, I looked horrible to me, horrible, and 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 it wasn't just the physical that I saw. Of course, I could I could just totally trash everything physically about myself, but it wasn't really that. What I was seeing when I looked in the mirror was my own thinking. I mean, body's just a body. I was seeing my own thinking, my own beliefs about myself, my own ways that I was not measuring up to how I thought I should look and how I thought it should be and what this weight or lack of weight or whatever the case was, what that meant about me. And 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 not just when we're struggling with this habit, always, always. So a lot of people, you know, like a lot of people look in the mirror and there's just not much going on. <laughs> they're just they're just kind of neutral about it, you know? Fine. There's just not a ton of thinking there. My 10-year-old son looked in the mirror the other day and was like, man, I look good. <laughs> Wouldn't you love that reaction? Well, that's his thinking, you know? My thinking is similar for him. But but it's it's only ever through thought. So again, it's not Betsy that that you aren't, you know, on some chart overweight, fine. It's that that means absolutely nothing. Literally, literally, absolutely nothing. There's not a shred of meaning in that. That is that is your relationship with gravity, period. It is where you fall on a chart, and even that will, will vary by chart, right? Period, period. It means nothing. And again, I'm not saying you should see that it means nothing. You won't. You won't. I won't either. Like, we don't work that way. Our mind sees through thought, projects what it sees through thought, 
And that is often full of meaning and full of judgment and full of story because that's just how this human experience works. So it, it will be meaning laden if and when it is. And, and maybe sometimes it won't be so much. It will be perhaps full of judgment if and when it is. And sometimes it won't be so much. And that is coming from, from a mind. That's not about you. That's not about your life. It's not about your weight or your skin or anything else. Everything we're seeing can only be seen through thought. And it's important, that's important to know, again, not because, oh, if it's only thought, I should see it better. Oh, I can change my thoughts. Definitely not saying any of that. But it's important because it points us back to the, the inevitable made-upness of it, the totally inevitable uh, subjectivity, creative nature of how we see ourselves and how we see anything, how we see anything. If, if the way you look to yourself is changing moment by moment and the way you look to everyone else is changing moment by moment, it starts to really sink in for people like, wow, I'm treating it as if it's absolute solid fact and it just can't be. And again, I don't say that at all and I'll keep saying this probably annoyingly so. I don't say that at all to try to talk you out of anything. That's not what I want you to. I don't want you to try to change your thoughts at all. I really don't. I don't want you to try to see yourself differently. I don't want you to change your thoughts about how you think you look or the meaning or the story or any of that. I just want you to see that you are only ever seeing anything through meaning and story. We all are. That alone, full stop, period, end it right there. Like that alone is what helps people. That's what helps because again, we start to just see, wow, this is so creative. It's all a projection of what's going on, what's going on in thought. So I'm going to come back to that some more, but but it it applies just as equally to anything and everything. So when you say, um, it doesn't appear to be thought. It's what I can physically see in the mirror and how uncomfortable I feel in my skin. Well, of course, uncomfortable in my skin is seeing through thought too, right? That is thought. I mean, yes, you feel uncomfortable in your skin, not because of your skin. Your skin's not doing that to you, not even because of your weight, honestly, because if it was about your weight, every single second of every day that you were a particular weight, you'd feel some some constant level of uncomfortable and it doesn't work that way. You're the same weight you are when you go to sleep at night. Where's the uncomfortable there? Thought isn't creating it. So it isn't happening. Even in your waking hours, there's I'm sure lots of time when your body is just not on your mind, when you just aren't on your mind. Those moments you talked about when you have that quiet space beyond all this. So all of it, all of it, all of it, all of it, the way you look, what you see when you look, the way we feel, I'm embarrassed and ashamed by myself. All of that can only ever be thought. I love, love the next part, Betsy. <laughs> I love, I love how you say that you can sense that quiet space. Um, <clears throat> it's like a gap where your mind can't reach. And I just, and then you say, and then it eludes me. Exactly. Exactly. That's how it goes. So again, that isn't, it's not like, Find that quiet space and live there 
and never come out. And then your weight won't matter. Or, and then you'll just start to shed a bunch of weight. It's not that at all. And I'm not saying that you were saying it was, um, but I just point that out because I know it can be, it can be heard that way sometimes. Um, but it's, it's more that the fact that there is space beyond this narrative is huge. That's it. That's all we really need is, is to know and see there is space beyond the narrative. The narrative, which is inherently creative and subjective and all over the place and super fluid, constantly changing, constantly. Even if you never love yourself, you never have the experience of loving yourself, from a bad mood to a little less bad mood, you're going to see a different you. You're going to feel a, a little bit of a difference in embarrassment and shame and uncomfortableness in your skin. That's all showing us that creative nature of thought, how fluid it is. It, it won't stay anywhere. It can't stay anywhere. In a, in a recent episode, um, I think it was called A More Comfortable Nest, I talked about how mind is like a verb. It's like an action. It's just constantly moving, constantly on the go past, future, over here, over there, what's next, more, 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 what can I change? You know, that's just literally the nature of it. That's, it's never going to stop. That's what it does. It's not a problem, but it's just, it's just how it operates. So, so seeing that that creative, subjective nature of thought, creating a reality, creating a Betsy all the time, always fluid, always in motion, always ebbing and flowing and changing, even if just a little bit, is so huge. And even huger is seeing that there that's not it. That's not life. Like that's not the end all be all. It's not like we need to jump in that narrative and make it different because you said yourself, every once in a while, you sense a space beyond that. So again, it's not like go live in that space. I mean, we would if, if we could just snap our fingers and have it happen that way. It's, it's more that it, it starts to put things in perspective. You know, it kind of starts to show us like, oh, okay, there's a narrative that's inherently judgmental and linear and, you know, all of that um, creative and made up and subjective and all of that good stuff. And that's just the narrator. That's not the truth of me. That's not the truth of life. It's not the least bit solid or stable. It's constantly changing. That it's there talking all the time is constant. But what it's saying and how it's seeing things, how it's projecting the world to you, constantly changing. But what doesn't change is that little space that you're sensing. So, so it's amazing, again, to just know that that's there. Don't have to do anything with it. You don't have to live there. Just knowing that's there is enough. So you say, um, then it eludes me and the narrative kicks in and my mind is off again. And, and to that, I just, again, kind of want you to see that's how it goes. And that's okay. Because again, it's not about staying in one place. It's like, that's exactly how it goes. That's not a problem. That you feel that space and then it eludes you and now that chatter comes back. Yeah, me too. Not a problem in the world with that. That doesn't mean anything about you. It just means you're human. It means you're exactly like everyone else. 
Truly, truly. Because I think that's a thing, like many things, that can look like a problem. Like, oh, I touch that space, but I can't. I, I'm a big loser. I can't stay there long enough. Or then it eludes me. Therefore, I'm just, you know, I'm not doing it right. Or my mind's too strong or whatever. Doesn't mean any of that. Not even close to any of that. This is just how it goes. It's just how it goes. We touch that space, thought comes back. No big deal. No big deal. So I love, Betsy, the things that... um that you share, that your that your narrator says, um, because they're so universal. Of course, they're so familiar. There, this is just exactly exactly what a mind does. Exactly what a mind says. How can I lose the weight? Of course, it would be asking that question. Once I've lost it, blah 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 will happen. Everything will be good in life once I've lost the weight. Of course, it says that. That's that's its job. It, it's it's scanning and it's looking for how can I how can I be better? What can I add? What can I change? So so see how in a sense like a your mind's doing this because it loves you. It's just doing its job. It, it has equated weight loss or whatever change you know is on your mind with happiness, peace, freedom. And of course you want those things. Like if a mind has equated weight loss with happiness, peace, or freedom or anything else, it's going to go there. It's going to it's going to want those things, of course, you know. So I think we can hear all of this as noise and um a painful a painful narrative or all this habitual stuff that we're sick of or stuff that gets our hopes up and causes us harm and all of that. I get that. For sure we can when we're in the content of it. When we're caught up in, oh, my mind said I have to lose weight. Okay, well, how am I going to lose the weight? It asks that question. I have to answer it. Or uh, once I've lost the weight, I can rejoin life again. Yep, that makes sense. So let's let's get to this weight loss thing. So my life, that's us like completely in the story, like just buying it, buying everything that mind's tossing out, we buy it. But that's that's what we're looking at. That's what we don't want to do. It's not only the narrator. Remember, you've touched that quiet space that a mind can't touch. I think you even said it, Yes that comforting, quiet space where my mind can't reach. That's where Betsy is. That's where everything you want and everything you're looking for is. So to jump up in that, in that narrative, in that conversation, when it says, how can I lose the weight? Well, I don't know. You're right. I should lose the weight. So let me think about that. Let me answer your questions. I, I get it. As a human being, I get it. <laughs> we all do. But think about that, Betsy. Look at that. Mind tosses out a question and then there's all this thinking on top of it saying, oh yeah, that's a great question. It's really necessary, I'm sure. I really do have to figure this one out. And then we're just caught caught up in more mind, caught up in more of the narrator. But like you said, there's a quiet space in there that has everything you want, everything you're looking for, and your mind can't reach it. So it's funny how we do this. It just becomes a habit, you know, how we identify more and more with that narrative. We, it, it asks a question, we answer it, we think it needs to be answered. 
it throws out a complaint or a judgment. We take it as if it means something about us. That's that's all of us. That's how how we've been conditioned, how we've been just kind of folded in with this nonstop conversation. But this is what you're starting to see around Betsy. And this is where the freedom is, so much freedom in seeing, yeah, it's literally like a machine. Because a machine asks a question doesn't mean I have to answer it. Because a machine spits out a judgment doesn't make it true. So the rules, the strategies, the plans, all that stuff you talk about, your mind going on and on about, of course, that's exa- that's, that, is, um, that is that machine doing its job perfectly, mind to. Constant, nonstop plans and strategies and rules. Constant. It should be. It should be that way. There's not a problem with that. Now, where we can find, again, more and more freedom is in just seeing that that's just what that machine does. That's not about Betsy. That's not about Betsy's weight. It's not about Betsy's value. It's just a mind doing what a mind does. We kind of get to keep seeing how impersonal all of this is. Something I want to say about this habit, I guess, of being so wrapped up in in this constant narrative and constant conversation. I mean, if you think about it, and I, I wrote about this a lot in, in Just a Thought, at some point we, we trade in a sense like this oneness and this, this less focused, open kind of experience where we just are life. We are life. There's not me and my life yet. There's just life and we are it and it is us. As a brain starts to develop and as we start to identify more and more with thought, we're we're in there in a different way and we get really hooked in. And our mind as an inherent problem solver, our brain as an inherent problem solver, it's just here to keep this physical body alive. It's always predicting and guessing and making assumptions as it should. That's its job. So it's like, you know, things happen. Things happen when we're young. They happen throughout our lives. And our brain always comes in with a solution. Now, it's not a good solution a lot of the time, but it's like, oh, that kid teased you? Well, we'll show him. Let's go beat him up tomorrow. <laughs> or let's, uh, you know, he said that you're, uh, that you're too quiet. Well, you're going to just start being really loud. We'll show him who's too quiet. And it comes up with these ways of essentially helping us feel like, okay, we'll never have to feel that again. I don't like that feeling. It's a horrible feeling. It's too big, too dangerous, too strong. I don't want to feel it. And our mind is so happy to come in and say, I got you. Don't worry. I'll help you never feel that again. Now, it's really important to see we aren't doing that. A mind is. A brain is. That's just what it does. So I'm not saying... Betsy did this somewhere along the way or Amy did this along the way. No, we're just along for the ride. We're just identified with the narrative at some point, at that point. And so when it says jump, we say how high. When it says here's a solution, we say, okay, that makes sense. And it's just, it just becomes our experience. So Betsy, when you talk about, well, let let me just, well, okay, let me, let me say a little bit more about that habit. So 
when that's the case, when it looks like, whether we see this explicitly or not, when it, when it looks like, oh, my mind helps me, I need my mind, it gives me good ideas, it gets me through life, it protects me. And eventually, before long, it looks that way to everyone. We would be crazy to not listen. Of course we listen. Of course we do. Like there's no other option. So, so that's where that habit of, of jumping into that narrative and answering its questions and conversing with it and believing everything it says, that's where that just sort of starts to take over. It just becomes really strong. And that quiet space that, that the narrator, narrator can't touch that just falls further and further to the background. It's still there. It's always there. It's who we are. I mean, it's, it's not going anywhere. It's where all the real solutions, if you will, live. And they're not really solutions, but it's where all that peace is, like you say, that comforting, quiet space. But, but the narrator is loud and it's got ideas and it's, it's really into its ideas and it's got plans and strategies and listen to me and, and that feels safe. You know, it does. It feels safe at some point, even with all the evidence that it isn't necessarily helpful. It starts to feel really safe. And so the only reason in a way that we we get so hooked into that narrator rather than that quiet space where where it's really at is again, it just it just makes sense on some level. But when we start to see this clearly, like you are, Betsy, when we start to see the the forest for the trees. When we start to see, oh, that quiet place isn't just boring. That's where I, that's me. That's me. And this constant, repetitive, fearful, judgmental conversation, not me. Me, not me. That's what starts to grow. Me, not me. Our whole lives, we've thought the not me was me. <laughs> Forever. And we've thought the me, we, half the time we aren't even aware of it. It's everything, it's, it's inescapable, but it's invisible to us when we're caught up in thought. So I hope that makes sense, Betsy. That's what we're wanting to start to shift a little bit. That's why I was so excited to, to hear that you've, you know that space to some degree. I know it's elusive, but you know that space and you know the narrator. That's perfect. Me, not me. Okay, so Betsy says, my issues with food started when I was 16. I'm in my 40s now. Was it my mind's way of trying to protect me? My dad took his life a few weeks after my 16th birthday, which is horrible. And I'm so sorry for that. And it's like, look, I mean, a, mi a mind, a brain is going to scramble to protect you from that. It's a shock it's a threat. It's a massive, massive trauma to to the life you knew and who you thought you were and how you thought things went in this world. Massive. That's not gonna, you know, you are you are resilience. Like there, you the real that real essence was never touched by that. But man, as far as events in, in life in the psychological realm go, oh my gosh, massive. So of course your mind is looking for like, what does this mean? And what can I do to not ever feel these feelings again? And how do I make sense of this? That's just it doing its job. Now, again, how it 
the meaning it gives and the strategies it gives to make sense, not always so great. But that it's looking for strategies and meaning and all of that makes perfect sense. That's literally what it's here to do. So you say, I get stuck in these thoughts that I have a rotten core and that I take up too much space. And you say they're beliefs, not thoughts so much. And I, I hear you and, you know, I think beliefs are just thoughts that we really, really think, <laughs> thoughts that feel especially true and personal. So essentially the same thing, but I, I get what you're saying there. there. It's deep. It's deep and it does not look like a thought. You feel it. And it's completely untrue. It's completely impossible. Completely impossible. When you feel that comforting space beyond the narrator, beyond these beliefs, that's, that's not there. There's no way that's there. Betsy, as a person who's rotten to her core and takes up too much space, it literally doesn't exist in that space, which shows us that all of that is made of thought. And I know it feels really true and really real, but it is a thought. So like we were saying in the beginning, like I was saying in the beginning, um, how you see yourself in the mirror, we can only ever see that through thought. And seven and a half billion people would see you differently and you would see yourself, you would see a different Betsy from day to day, mood to mood. That's going to fluctuate at least a little bit least a little bit, right? Because that's just the way thought creates a reality. It's just how that works. So this too. Now, again, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying it doesn't feel super real or, or I'm, and I'm not at all trying to talk you out of it. I just want you to see a little more of the nature of it. And I, I think you probably know this, but I, I have a feeling you get this on some level, but man, there's just so... It's just so simple and so true that at some point that was a conclusion your brain drew when it was in massive upset and shock and trauma. It needed to make sense of that in some way and it just <laughs> makes stuff up that, that seemed to make sense at the time. You know, of course, this would maybe in some way look like if you were only better or I don't know, whatever, whatever the stories are, and you don't even have to be aware of the specific stories anymore. It doesn't really matter. What we know for sure with absolute certainty is that at some point, this was just a thought. I take up too much space and I'm, I have a rotten core where thoughts just like, hey, is it raining or sunny outside? Which sweater do I want to wear today? And I'm not dismissing how they feel because I know they don't feel anything like those thoughts. I get it for sure. They, they don't feel anything like it. But if we just look at the nature of it, what is it? What, what is this? I take up too much space. What is this? What color sweater am I going to, which sweater am I going to wear today? They're the same thing. There's some words. There's some images. There's a feeling. Feeling and the images are very different in those two cases, perhaps, but but it's a creative process. It's like saying, you know, there's uh, there's Schindler's List, and then there's Airplane, the movie Airplane, 
one of my favorite movies. They couldn't be more different. They couldn't be more different in terms of movies, but they're both movies. It's in the content and in the everything about everything about those movies is going to be radically different. The the way they were filmed is different. The props and the coloring and the mood and the actors, everything is different about those two movies, but they're both movies. And I just want you to see if you can get a feel for this too. That is deep and personal and about Betsy as these thoughts feel. They are no different in nature from which sweater. It's just that they've been carried around for 30 years and and kind of refer back to this, this identity of Betsy that is oh so important <laughs> to a mind. You know, that that is like your brain is just like, who are you and how do I stay alive? Like, how do I make this separate individual named Betsy survive in this world? Everything is about a Betsy and a, and a mind makes that up too. So when it is so deep and personal and looks to be about you and is so emotional, has such a deep feeling with it, of course, of course, of course, it looks true. And of course, it seems totally different than which sweater am I going to wear. But again, you haven't been carrying around which sweater am I going to wear for 30 years with a ton of emotion attached. And what if that's the only, only, only difference? So I want you to see too that if, first of all, it's impossible to have a rotten core and take up too much space. I, I, th- I mean, you know, that's not really a thing. <laughs> that's a, something a mind says. That's a judgment call, obviously. It's, I don't even know what that means, right? Who knows what that means, but I get it, how that works. Like that's how it comes out in our language. That's how it gets spit out. That's, and I know these words are just pointing to a deeper feeling. Um, but again, that feeling is a, a fleeting, fluid psychological experience, a very habitual one, and one that's been tied to this idea of a Betsy, of who Betsy is and everything we know about her. But that's all that's all. It's a fluid, fleeting experience, a little blip, a little neuron, some energy, some sensations tied in with this idea of who Betsy is. And that's what gives us this, this conclusion of I'm rotten at my core and I take up too much space. And when that is felt as if it's true, then what? Like that's incredibly painful. Ironically, this all had some intelligence behind it when it started, you know, our our mind giving meaning and coming up with this stuff and carrying it through time. But again, we gotta we need to stay out of the content of it because it doesn't make sense when we get into the stories. It's a bigger process that that is is fueled by intelligence and is working for us. Stories are going to break down every time, but the stories are what gets us. That's what has us has this feeling like this stuff is so personal. But again, like walking around through life for 30 years as if that is the truth of things, as if that is who you are, that's going to be really, really hard. 
And when life feels really, really hard, something in us says, wait a minute, something's wrong here. Because that something in us knows that life is not hard. That something in us, and I'm talking about that quiet space that you know, says, wait, I'm right here. What do you mean rotten to the core? What do you mean too much space? What does that even mean? Come back here. And so when we're living in that narration and carrying it around as if it's true, it's like that's never, ever going to feel comfortable. Of course, it couldn't. It couldn't feel comfortable. It has to feel massively uncomfortable. And that discomfort is, is showing us something's not right here. Something is not lining up. But we don't know that. So when we feel massively uncomfortable, when we feel the weight of those beliefs, those thoughts, we do what makes sense. We do anything we can see to do to, to, to lighten that load, to distract from that, the heaviness of that. That's where we find habits. We eat, we find comfort in food, you know, whatever it is we do. It could be anything, doesn't matter. It's all the exact same thing. So what I think is so interesting about this, Betsy, and I don't know, I just find this interesting, is this all started around the time of your your dad's death, you know, definitely uh, not a coincidence. Um, And and you're starting to see, I hope, how, how this is, these were conclusions made in a really horrible time and then bully just carried through through time and believed and and pointed back to this is who Betsy is and and that just gets heavier and heavier but how this never had anything to do with food never so now it does or it doesn't but now it sort of on the surface of it looks like it does right there's this binge restrict cycle there's, um, you say my issues with food started at that time when you were 16. So food came in as like a, a way to just distract from a painful story. And again, it could have been alcohol. It could have been heroin. It could have been shopping. It could have been anything. It really, truly does not matter. It's all the same. But this never, so it was never about food. And I know that's very cliche and everyone sort of knows that in theory. But I just want to, I don't know, I just want to point that out because what do we do? Me too when I was caught up in this is it's like, we know I would have told you all day long. Yeah. I know this has nothing to do with food. I don't even enjoy the food I binge on. I mean, I enjoy it for like a minute. It's no, this has nothing to do with food yet. What do we do when we want to be free is we try to find the right diet. (laughs) We try to lose the weight. Just like all that stuff that you said, your mind says, right? How can I lose the weight? Once I've lost the weight, I can reach. It's all about the weight. It's all about the food. It's all about this surface problem, which it so clearly has never been about. It's about a perf- a person who is completely whole and perfect and healthy and well, as healthy and well and whole and perfect as anyone on earth. Go find a baby that you love more than anything that you can just see their perfection in and see that that baby is a mirror. That is you. That is you, Betsy. It's about that, about that, walking around carrying a thought that says, I'm, I take up too much space and I'm rotten at the core. So, My favorite way to look at this, what I think has, in general, the most impact, 
you know, we could look at we could look at these thoughts and beliefs and prove them wrong and and you know have you prove them wrong and give me examples of how you aren't rotten to the core and tell me all the nice things you've done for people and we could do that on and on. But that's kind of leaving that quiet, wise space and jumping up and having a conversation with the narrator where we're hoping that that leads to something. <laughs> and and what we know about thought is it just tends to not. It's just pretty darn shallow. So instead, what we get to see is kind of more along the lines of where this, this one-sided conversation has been going, which is me, not me. But you feeling into that, Betsy, yourself and exploring that and just being open to it. You can think that you are horrible, been there. I know many listeners have. You could hate yourself and you can still, you can, that experience can be showing up and you can still have a little corner of curiosity that's like, hmm, but what if that's not it? What if that's not true? What if that is just a thought that's, that's made of some random images and memories and feelings that's absolutely no different in its nature than which color sweater am I going to wear? Like, just hold that what if. Have that little corner of curiosity. As you hate yourself, if that's the case. As your mind is talking like you, Eeyore, if that's the case. You know, it's not one or the other. We get We have room for all of it. And this is what I think is so helpful is when... When we have, when we make that room for all of it and we sense that there's no fighting, there's no resistance. It's like, all right, narrator, come on in with your questions. All right, quiet space. I can feel you or I can't feel you. It doesn't really matter because I know you're there. There's room for all of it. Okay, I'm rotten at my core. Come on in. I know you're a thought. Yeah, I feel you. It feels really heavy and really horrible. And what if? And there's something really amazing about that that space, that ability for anything to move through and be okay because we're not it and it isn't us. You know, you're, these thoughts, old, new, whatever, they, they come and go. Feelings come and go. The way you, what you see when you look in the mirror comes and goes all the time. Not me. That part's the not me. So we come to just kind of be a little more fluid with it and a little more suspicious of it, but in a curious way, like a little more welcoming of it even, a little more curious about it. And in that, when we're not fighting it and using all of this energy to fight it and when we're not engaging in it, and I'm, I hate to say that because I, people always hear that is, oh, I'm supposed to not engage with my mind. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying, welcome it in. That's fine. Let it talk, whatever. But when we're not putting so much effort into pushing it away or answering all of its questions, like, oh, you're right. I do need to lose weight so I can be okay and go on with my life. Okay. Which diet? You know, like, when that's not happening, we naturally feel more of that quiet space beyond all that. So that's, that's it. It's like we kind of have to see what's in the way and see it with compassion and curiosity and non-resistance in a sense. Just see it insightfully to where it's like, oh, okay, you again. And in that, when it's like, oh, okay, you again, 
or yeah, I hear you. This doesn't feel good, but but what if you're what if you're just that little hanger on her that's always around here? I'm on to you. When you're seeing it that way, naturally, that space beyond all of this is going to be calling you back. Naturally, naturally. So Betsy's question. <laughs> which is which sorry Betsy I'm going to I'm going to ask and speak to your actual question um she kind of sums this all up and says my question is how can the problem be just a thought when physical reality feedback's a clear reflection well I think I spoke to that but I I just um I just I love that I love that question I love that after all of this I take up too much space like this is the problem I you know like all of that it's kind of coming back to this really simple question about how could this be a thought? And I hope, I hope you have a sense of how everything is a reflection of thought. Everything, including your reflection in a mirror, is thought. It is that. And that's not me. That's, that's what's arising. It's that creative nature of life that comes up and tells stories and judges and paints pictures and brings us this full-on experience of loving ourselves or hating ourselves and everything in between. And it's always changing and it's always moving. And and see if you can see a change because that's another way. That's another thing our mind will say is, nope, mine doesn't change. doesn't change for me. I always hate myself. I always feel like I take up too much space. No, you don't. And I know you don't, Betsy, because you told me. <laughs> you said... Sometimes you find that comforting, quiet place where your mind can't reach. So I know you don't always find it or feel that. So kind of having that foot in each camp, like, okay, there's something bigger. There's a place where I'm already free. And then there's this constant conversation that I'm going to start to look at and well, and I don't mean look at and analyze. I mean, welcome it in. It's just a conversation. What if it's just thought made of who the heck knows what? What if it has nothing to do with me? What if it's not the least bit personal? What if just because my mind asks questions, they don't even have answers? Not only do I not need to answer them, they don't even have answers. A mind just is a question asker. That's just what it does. Sitting with some of that, I, I would love to see how this starts to open up for you. Um, and I wish we were talking because <laughs> I would love to hear just how it's landing with you. But but I know you'll let me know uh, and maybe I'll get to report back to everyone listening. Um, but obviously this this episode is not just for Betsy. So I hope, I hope uh, that it's helpful for everyone and that you hear something in that, that maybe just opens up a little more space um, than, than was there before. After a very long, very virtual two years, the amazing Little School of Big Change live event is back. We'll gather in person from June 3rd to 5th in Chicago for two and a half days of connection, exploration, and a lot of hugs, laughter, and insights around this year's theme, which is life appearing as everything. I would love to gather and immerse in this conversation with you in person in Chicago in June. For full details and to save your seat with the early bird pricing, visit dramyjohnson.com slash LSBC Live 2022.